This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Thanks for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. It's Kelly and Ramya. Ramya is not with us today. Brock Richardson sitting in. He's at the studio in Kitchener at his home. I'm here at the home studio, London, Ontario. And I want to remind you, subscribe to the podcast when you have a chance. Take a listen to the show in segment form or the complete Kelly and Ramya podcast where you can listen to the audio vanity card tacked on to the end of the full show podcast. However you listen to the show, whether it's listening to us live or on one of the repeats or via the podcast, Brock, we're always happy to have people on board. Indeed we are. This year marks the 15th anniversary of the Miracle on Hudson, the story of a plane that lost power and landed on the Hudson River in January 2009. The event later inspired the Oscar-recommended film Sully, Dave Sanderson was a survivor of this U.S. Airways flight in 1549, and due to his desire to help others, he was the last passenger off the plane, and now he is, uh, he was the last passenger after it crashed off the plane, and now he is a world-renowned speaker, and he's helping, going around places and telling his story, and he's going to be in Toronto in March to uh, tell the story and help others understand the story and his life journey. Dave, welcome to the program. And I have to start by saying to you that I saw you speak about uh, in 2012, and I really enjoyed it. So looking forward to this conversation. Can you first start by telling us a little bit about yourself, if you would? Thank you, Brock, and thank you for remembering me back in 2012. That's uh, that's a few years ago. So thank you very much. Yeah, I I appreciate the opportunity. I I am just an ordinary guy that uh, happened to be on a plane that day that I wasn't supposed to be on. I was in for over 30 years. I was in sales and sales management on a sales trip that uh, that week. I, I was end of a three-day business trip, which ended in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And that's how I got to be in the New York City that day. And, and uh, Canley, I was not supposed to be on that flight. I was scheduled to be on a later flight. And all of a sudden, uh, we got done work early that morning in Brooklyn, about 10 a.m. And our travel agent uh, worked with me, and I worked with her, and she put me on flight 1549. So that's, uh, that's how I got to be a part of this uh, unbelievable experience. Wow. Wow, Dave. Well, we, we you know, of course— as people hearing about it, and I remember that day hearing about the flight and, and it going down and thinking, oh my gosh. And I specifically were thinking, what's that like? As you know, you're going down, what the plan is, we're going to do this in the river. We're going to, I don't even want to say ditch. It's almost like land on it, but you are ditching the plane in the river. Can you tell us what happened on that flight, uh, 1549? Sure, yeah. I mean, what a normal takeoff, nothing unusual. I was a C-15A, that's four rows behind the left wing. And about a minute after we took off is when I heard an explosion on the plane. Kayla, I've never heard an explosion like that. So that got my attention. So I looked out the window. I saw fire coming out from me to the left wing. So I knew something had happened, but I really didn't think much of it because, you know, I, I fly so often. Planes have multiple engines. And I thought, okay, we lost an engine. We're going back to the airport. 
But uh, that's I think that's where the miracle really starts, Kelly, because no one on the plane knew at that moment in time would have on the left side of the plane where I was at, also up on the right side of the plane uh, simultaneously. And I think, uh, you oh, know, across man. reference, I think everybody would have probably had a different experience. But, you know, we uh, he started, uh, started banking, and I didn't think anything. I thought he was going back to the airport until – I looked out the window. I saw the skyline of Manhattan was right out my window, and I'd never seen Manhattan that close. And then I looked out a little further, and I see this bridge coming up, which happened to be the George Washington Bridge. We found out later. And all of a sudden, he said his famous words. The captain said his famous words. This is your captain. Brace for impact. And that's the moment I knew and probably everybody else knew that uh, something pretty serious is going to happen in uh, approximately 60 seconds after he crossed over the George Washington Bridge. So he crashed into the river. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of terms. You could, you could water ditching, landing. But you're in the back of a plane, Kelly, and it's going 110, 120 yeah. miles an hour. You know, and uh, it becomes a crash pretty quickly. And um, fortunately for us, we had a captain who uh, got that plane down uh, in one piece, which I tell people that's a, that's a miracle in itself. But then is when you have all the things that start happening because now mm-hmm. you've got a plane – in the river, 36 degrees Fahrenheit, about one degree Celsius, and all of a sudden now you, it's filling the plane quickly with water. Now you got a different experience going on. After the uh, crash, and you and others survived, how did that? How did you feel about that? Like, what was the emotion when you realized, "Wow, we 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 survived this." I didn't actually know that we survived this until I got to, got to the shore in New Jersey because, you know, I went out the right side of the plane, Brock, and, um, you know, I mean, it, we had a whole different experience because the left side of the plane went out to the New Jersey side. We went out our New York side. We went out to the New Jersey side. So I think everybody on the Jersey side, once we figured out that we all got out, was uh, we all knew that we at least survived that portion. But now some of us, like myself, I was in the 36-degree water for over seven minutes. Some other mm. people were in the water likewise. So we all we all had different experiences, but we all now are in 30. You know, we've been in the water, and it's 11 degree Fahrenheit air temperature going on at the same time. So it's you know until we got to the, until I got at least to the shore, I didn't know that I and the others that joined us on the shore uh, had made it. Then you got the New York story, which uh, we found out later the same thing happened there. So fortunately, we all uh, we all survived. Wow. Um, give us some perspective, if you don't mind, Dave, in the sense of, I just want to go back, the plane goes over the bridge. At, from, from your impression, how close were you? And when do you think, being captain, being up front, that decision's made, we're ditching into the river, only place I can go. Do you think that was like a straight up, the only place I can go if this thing makes it? Yeah, great question, Kelly. We cleared the bridge by roughly 400 feet. Uh, the bridge is 600 feet up. The plane was 1,000 feet at that point in descending. So about 400 feet is how we cleared it. And, you know, when uh, you can actually, I, we got the flight recording of that. He made that call uh, pretty much after the air traffic controller told him he had a runway in, in LaGuardia he could go to. He said, no, we're going we're gonna to end up in the river because if you look at, he had basically four options four choices he could have gone back try to get back to the airport which wasn't a good option as in the mm-hmm. movie really realized it, it had a very difficult time getting there he could have gone into the atlantic ocean which was right there 
but there's no one there to rescue. He could have gone into the airport in Teterboro, which is the closest airport, but there's too many skyscrapers there to even try that. So his only only option or only choice was the river. And he uh, he made that call once he sort of went through his mind very quickly and had to deduce that. Mm. That's an incredible, incredible. What lessons do you teach others based on your experience, and how do you go about accomplishing teaching those lessons? Yeah, thank you. I, I have the opportunity, as you, as you know, Brock, as you heard me speak, I get the opportunity to speak around the world. I also conduct workshops, and you know, my latest book, The Limitless Life, really talks about the lessons that I learned and apply, started applying after the miracle on the Hudson. There's so many lessons that came out of it. And one of the biggest lessons that came to me, and, just, and this is the one I think, especially right now, um, you know, is to be less judgmental. And, you know, I tell people, no one really cared what color skin you had or what, you know, anything that was going on. You were all in this thing together. And that's one of the greatest lessons is when you have a mission of you just bond together and have a focus on the mission. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are when you pull together. But what happened to me and when I learned this lesson was actually a couple of weeks later when I was on a TV show called Good Morning America here in the uh, in New York, and I was in New York City. We were done with the, the events. We were in the green room, some of the passengers and the crew, and one of the passengers got a little emotional, and I immediately started judging this person. And, you know, all of a sudden, I didn't find know his backstory. When I found out later, he was actually starting to go through a divorce, and he lost his job. And that's the moment, Kelly and Brock, I realized how many times in my life have I judged somebody so quickly before I knew their backstory. And if I could just learn that one thing and change one thing in my life to be less judgmental, how could that affect my life? That's the lesson that I learned so quickly to help me turn this around and help me start what I'm doing now and going around the world and uh, teaching these lessons. I teach in my new book, The Limitless Life, and other lessons from that day. Wow, the things you must think about as you're going around teaching, as you were writing and and stuff like that, uh, doing the interviews of self-exploration, because it takes that to say, what the heck am I doing judging this person? And yet you were out there helping people get off this plane, not thinking about it, except, you know, we've all got to get out of here. And really thank you for the comment of, no thought of someone's skin color, their sex, their age, their whatever, and, and judgment that way. Um, so it, it, it really, and, and you can't fault other people who were, help me, help me, I just want to get out of here. Exactly, exactly right. And one of the things that when we were at the 15th anniversary in New York City, you know, we had the event for the first responders bringing them together, which I was very honored to be a part of. And one of the things I spoke about is it's amazing the diversity of the people in that room, of all the first responders, the Red Cross, the passengers, uh, and everybody that was in that room. And it's amazing that, you know, when you can take the power that comes in diversity and unity in diversity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, uh, you know, what, oh, I, I know that's one of the things I really want to focus on my messaging right now is helping people understand, you know, there's a, there's a power in diversity. And if, uh, if you just check your ego at the door and you know, forget about it, it's not about you. It's one of the other big lessons I talk about. It's not, you figure out it's not about you. It's about yeah. a bigger mission. Yes. And all of a sudden yeah. things uh, start coming together pretty quickly. Oh, man. Um, I got to ask you, Dave, so we don't run out of time on you. Talk about the, the touring around, talking, especially Toronto, um, when people come to see you and give us, if you would, dates or how people can register. But what, as you as you speak up there, when you finish up and people come up and just want to meet you, just want to say, oh, my gosh, 
Um, what do you find people most want to know? What happened or this change post-event? I was, it's a great question, Kelly. I just spoke last week in Washington, D.C., right downtown at the capital of the United States. And when people come up to me, the most often asked question I get is, how did you get back on a plane after you went through a plane crash? <laughs> and what I've realized, I get this every day in one form or another. What I've really realized that question is, Kelly, is this. How did you gain the resiliency to bounce back and create an opportunity what you did? And even if people want to know how you bounce back, and that's why I titled my TED Talk that I did in Queens University in Kingston, Bouncing Back Post-Traumatic Growth, about how do you bounce back from a traumatic life experience. And that's exactly why I did it in Queens University, and I'm very honored to do that in uh, Canada because I love coming to Canada. I come to Canada many times a year, and I can't wait to be back in Toronto sharing not only the story, but really these lessons from my new book that uh, hopefully people can take one or two away, and next time they get in a challenging situation, you know, you know what? Somebody else has gone through it. Let's see how they figured it out. How can I apply this to my life? You bet. Dave, absolutely incredible stuff. And, um, you know, if people can take one thing from this interview as we're running out of time here, what would you quickly say from one thing we've talked about here? What do you want people to take away? That, you know, I would say the one thing, if someone could take something away, is the psych says, it's not about you. It, you know, one of the things you learn is if you look at the bigger mission, the bigger thing that's going on around you, all of a sudden, and you check your ego at the door, watch the magic that can happen. And that's what happened that day. We had people who checked their egos at the door, so diverse, it's almost diversity on that plane. And all of a sudden, from, so from a tragedy produced a miracle and turmoil into triumph. Thank you very much, Dave. It was a pleasure. And we'll have to have you back again soon. Yeah, really Thank wonderful, Dave. Dave, where can we get the book, by the way? Uh, if you go, to, you go to my website, DaveSandersonSpeaks.com, I'd love to be able to personalize it or just go to Amazon. Uh, it's up on Amazon right now, Amazon Canada. And uh, But, yeah, thank you very much for supporting it because a portion of this will go back to the Red Cross. And um, I'm very honored to be able to do that to support their mission of ending human suffering, which is what, uh, what I, why I spent so much time with the American Red Cross. Well, thank you for the book and so much more, The Limitless Life. Thanks, Dave. Good luck. Have a great trip around and uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. That was speaker, author, and survivor Dave Sanderson speaking to us about the events of Flight 1549 and the miracle on Hudson. Okay, folks, we'll step aside for a couple of moments. In the next hour, we host our monthly book club, and Danielle McLaughlin will be sharing her review of Actress by Anne Enright. Woodworker Jeff Thompson will be talking about live edge lumber and how you can use it to enhance your projects. But up next, folks, there's some fun concerts and events in St. John's over the next month. Community reporter Kim Thistle, she's got that for us after this. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hadjar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.